This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's Fun Friday. My name is Jeff Sandu. Self-appointed feel-bad guru and death coach Matt Armitage has returned from last week's holiday with a promise to make you feel happier and more productive in 2019. Hey Jeff, I can only assume from the withering sarcasm, uh, if not the outright hatred, that things didn't really go very well with Future Matt last week. Yeah, he added a mincer to shred my atoms for fun, by the way. Uh, yeah, he does do that kind of thing. All the things that I kind of dream about doing to people, he actually does them. Um, I, I have to say, I really kind of envy his freedom. Well, he killed every single one of my dissidents. And also, actually, one listener tweeted in and he said he was really upset with Future Matt killing all my generations, my entire generation. Well, I know he looks at things from a, a weird perspective. And yes, he could just have jumped in a machine and come to see you rather than do that. But, you know, it all comes down to what's easier for him. And as he said, he didn't kill all of them. So the listener doesn't have to be that worried. There was that one baby in a wicker basket in the bulrushes and we expect great things to come from her in the future. In the future's future. Yeah, it does get a bit confusing, doesn't it, when you start talking about predictive timelines. Um, it's probably important to remember, and for that listener as well, that despite uh, the way he makes it sound, future Matt doesn't have the complete picture. He's still just peering at things from, you know, behind his own mental clutter and chaos. Yeah, everything with Future Matt is cluttered and messy. Well, you know, we know he lies, but I did listen to the episode and obviously I can't tell you whether all of those predictions will come true. I mean, he didn't mention Jeff Bezos getting a divorce, for example, which is, you know, kind of fairly big news. Mm. But nothing he said was really, you know, kind of outlandish or really way out there. Which is why you think you can tackle world happiness this week. This is just another excuse to talk about your inbox, isn't it? Okay, one thing at a time. Um, no, I'm not claiming to be able to solve world happiness, if that's even a thing. Um, and yes, uh, I will mention my dirty inbox in the broader, broader context of productivity and happiness. Uh, and if, you know, by the end of the episode, we can get some people to worry a tiny bit less, then it won't have been a complete waste of time. So we're essentially talking about people being overwhelmed by technology. Partly. And, you know, it's really easy to do. I mean, when we take social media, um, for reasons of stupidity, I have three separate Instagram feeds. <laughs> uh, one for this show, Matt Splained, one for Culture Pop, my company, and one for my personal stuff. And it's the same with Facebook. I have three accounts, and that's on top of my Culture Pop website. And as a result, I don't really maintain any of them as well as I want to. And I was discussing with uh, Future Matt on this. You're actually back on Twitter. Uh, yes, I heard what you said about that. No, I'm not stupid enough to say that I'm going to subvert the system from within. I do stand by what I've said about Twitter. I think it fails to measure up to our expectations. And that's the same as a lot of social media companies. So you can call it hypocritical, but I'm back on there because I was missing out on a lot of information from and by some people that I'm very interested in. So if that makes me a hypocrite, yes, I am. I own it. Is that your theme for 2019? You own it. Well, I hadn't thought of it quite in those terms. But sure, you know, if life is a hashtag, then I guess I own it works. Did you invent that hashtag? 
Uh, no, somebody on social media okay. probably came up with it. Um, I could probably find out if uh, I was more interested, but I'm not really. <laughs> um, I'm not a cyber anthropologist. The origin of hashtags isn't something I spend my days worrying over. Uh, but one reason I, I like it is because the own it hashtag has become really accusatory. You know, we're living in this weird time where we're happy to yell at other people to own their mistakes and to be responsible. But we go to enormous lengths to disavow our own responsibility for almost everything. And that's not a really great recipe for moving forward. You know, that's a really good recipe for entrenchment and conflict. Is this a social media problem? I think it's probably more of uh, an information issue and partly an expectations problem. Um, over Christmas and the early part of this year, uh, 2019, in case anyone is wondering whether future Matt has snuck back in, uh, I've been reading a lot of those end of the year, what we can hope for next year type posts. And I was struck by the intersection of a lot of these generational type posts. Uh, one was on millennials and how they've become the burnout generation and a lot of these productivity-based posts. And a lot of things seem to be bringing up the same issue. They seem to be bringing up this idea of option paralysis. Option paralysis? Well, it's the idea that the more choices we have, the less we're able to choose. So the classic example is the supermarket marmalade test. Marmalade. This, this is a tech show, it's, right? It's a holistic <laughs> tech show demonstrating the fundamental interconnectedness of all things. Oh, your aunt dealt gently here. No, but this show is a little bit um, Adam's Antine, and that is a word I made up to describe being a bit like Douglas Adams. You just said that you aren't about the origin of words. I'm not about the ownership of the word. I'm just explaining why I'm abusing the perfectly good word, Adamantine. The stuff that Wolverine is made of? Okay, we're really not going to go down <laughs> this path. Um, what were we talking about before? Uh, option paralysis and why it can't be fixed with an exoskeleton. Okay, I think I'm going to make the jokes <laughs> from here. Um, yeah, we were on marmalade, right? So, yeah, yeah that's another joke. Uh, when customers in a supermarket were given a display that included a couple of dozen different types of marmalade, they stopped and they sampled, you know, a handful, a few of them. I don't think anyone could actually eat 20 different types of marmalade in one sitting. And that was the problem. You know, you'd try two or three and then you'd start to see how many you hadn't tried. So you start thinking, have I tried the best one? Have I tried the best value one? By choosing one, am I actually foregoing making a better choice? Because, you know, I've got imperfect knowledge. Um, people tried but didn't buy they had option paralysis. But when the amount of choice was reduced to half a dozen or less, they tried and they bought because they weren't overwhelmed. This matters in a technology sense. How and why? In that model, we're seeing option paralysis as it relates to marmalade, which is not a big deal. It's hardly going to put you in a jam. Boom, boom. Um, but with technology, <laughs> we see a creep of this option paralysis. How so? Well... I've got too many uh, Instagram accounts, mm -hmm. as I mentioned, mm -hmm. and that seems to affect everything I do online. I feel guilty about posting to my personal account because I haven't updated my business accounts. For that reason, I feel guilty about posting to Facebook, and that's, you know, a completely different platform. And then I start thinking about the updates to my website that I haven't done or the articles I haven't completed for Medium. So then I end up watching loops of cat videos <laughs> instead of actually tackling any of those things. And I guess we add to that pressure with new technologies and networks. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I was looking at one of those new video creation and music sharing platforms this week, um, Triller. 
I think it's called. And what I like about it is that you can combine lots of clips and looks and the app's AI actually seems them all together to make a cool looking video for wow. you so you don't have to worry about the editing process mm. so i've experimented with a few of those um magisto for mm. example mm. it's geared around longer form video whereas triller is you know currently a bit more vine like and limits you to i think 16 seconds so we can expect to see clips of you lip syncing to old goth records I don't think the world needs that any more than it needs me <laughs> pretending to be Nicki Minaj or every single member of BTS. Um, I love the potential that these apps have. I'd love to have the time to make uh, more use of them. Uh, I'd like to be using them to create more regular content for other platforms, mm. Instagram TV, for example. But there's only me. There isn't an enormous team of culture pop flunkies getting ready to gild my lily. As a result of thinking about all the things you could be doing, you know, there's this tendency for all of us to lose direction and fail at the things that you really should be doing. And I think that's where the creep starts to come in. We can get so preoccupied with perfecting something online that simple real-world tasks like, you know, doing the laundry or paying bills, they become these massive roadblocks that we find, feel, you know, fundamentally unable to move around. And I'm glad you mentioned failure. Is a fear of failing contributing to this sense of inertia? I mean, this is only anecdotal, um, but I do think so. A lot of people have talked for years, for example, about millennials having unrealistic expectations of life. But as one of the articles I read handily points out, the old millennials are now 38. The youngest millennials are now 22. So, you know, the oldest millennials may actually have kids who themselves are now in their teens. So even when we talk about millennials, we're not talking about people with the same outlook. Well, I mean, Jeff, you'd be an yeah. early to middle-ish millennial. Um, you know, you'd have been in your teens before high bandwidth internet or streaming and social yeah. media came along. Yeah. Uh, late millennials would barely remember a world without them. So there's a huge generational gap, even within your own generation. Mm. So even when smug pundits like me talk about millennials, we're really just sneerily talking about anyone who's younger than us and was born into this predominantly digital era. Why would that matter? Because it allows us to fall into these binary patterns of behavior. It allows us to dismiss everyone as a single group with a shared mentality. As I've said, there's a huge generational gap, even within millennials, let alone in the Gen Z that comes after that. So rather than looking at the complexity and the diversity of that group uh, and its expectations, we just kind of undermine them and and overlook it all. Mm. Own it. That's what uh, Matt is trying to tell us for 2019. We'll be right back with more after this BFM 89.9. Burger. Fries, Milo, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. And we're back. It's Fun Friday. My name is Jeff Sandu. Together with Culture Pops, Matt Amatech. It's always confusing when Matt wears his hero head rather than the comedy villain one we're quite, a, quite used to. Anyways, Matt, you're trying to protect the young again, aren't you? Okay, well, I was reading one article earlier this week, and I don't usually comment on articles, um, but it was about the pressure on the current generation Mm. to succeed while they're young. You know, we see social media stars buckling under the pressure, having breakdowns. So I commented that that pressure has always been there. That was a pressure I felt in the 90s. God, I was young a long time ago. Um, It's not something new. um, And especially it kind of hits you in the creative fields. So we often talk about the 27 Club, that, that group of talented young people who 
take their own lives or overdose or otherwise die in some ridiculous way that's connected to their youth Mm. when they are 27. But what most people don't realise is the 27 Club actually goes back to the 1860s, not the 1960s, but a full 100 years earlier than that. It's been around for 150 years. So people have been living and dying for their art for a very long time. What's different now? Well, I guess it's just in the way that those insecurities manifest themselves. So um, even though I just said I don't normally comment on things. um, So, you know, literally twice in the last 12 months, I've commented on articles and they've both been this week, uh, like two weeks into 2019. (laughs) It's ridiculous. So earlier this week, I commented on another article on a website and I pointed out that the headline was grammatically incorrect. Um, Maybe it was more ambiguous than incorrect, but it struck me as being wrong. And I received a flurry of negative responses, one of which accused me essentially of being perverse and twisted for for pointing out a grammatical mistake in a light-hearted way. It's absurd. I mean, it really annoyed me at the time, but I realised that I couldn't let myself rise to it. Why do you think it upset people? I don't know. Um, Maybe the fact that I was explaining how something should be phrased and they didn't understand my explanation kind of triggered their own insecurities. I don't know, but it goes back to that binary response mechanism. The position seemed to be that the headline couldn't mean what it actually said because the article meant something else. Therefore, I had to be wrong. Uh, Maybe it was because it was a serious article and I kind of mocked the title (laughs) in a... Not even mocked, I just explained it in a humorous way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll be honest, you know, when I saw people making those comments, I went back... And I dissected the headline to see if I'd made a mistake and inadvertently upset people. But I hadn't. It says what it says. It just doesn't say what everyone else thought it said. And there's nothing, there's literally nothing I can do about that. Why did you bother to go back and check? Because as we discussed earlier, I own it. If I was wrong, I'd be happy to apologise. In fact, I'm stereotypically British and my first reaction was to go and apologise anyway. But there was nothing offensive about what I said. I didn't criticise the article. And the article was great, by the way. I didn't criticise the author, the editors or the subs. I didn't criticise anyone who commented negatively on my post. I simply stated what the headline actually meant. And you think it was millennials or Gen Zers commenting? Not especially. Um, Probably not at all. I mean, it was actually an article about cancer, which is not the Mm. first thing most younger people (laughs) click on over breakfast. Um, But we like to say that it's millennials and Gen Z who can't take criticism, who are snowflakes, who have unrealistic expectations. But I think, if anything, it's the older generation that's far more brittle. We're just projecting our own fears and our shortcomings onto those generations that come after us. It's enlightening to have a look at that rather strange world inside your head, but how will this actually help us to make us happy and productive this year? Maximalism. (laughs) Conspicuous consumption? Well, you don't have to go down the conspicuous route. You can still keep your principles. Um, It's more about accepting that life is a bit of a mess, that you can't bring order to everything or pare everything down to some basic and easily digestible form. And also, I think quite importantly, that technology doesn't always simplify the the task, uh, as we've noted with the system that records these shows from Mm. time to time. (laughs) Um, Often it amplifies it and it makes it possible for us to be working on tasks everywhere and always. And that's not 
necessarily a good thing. Back to social media? Yes, back to social media. You know, we're all bombarded by posts on Instagram by beautifully lit 20-something influencers standing at the edge of a cliff or at some beautiful <laughs> uh, rooftop bar. And, you know, they're always surrounded by these really amazing exotic vistas. Uh, when you look at their profile, their job title always includes something like brand expert, serial entrepreneur, marketing evangelist. <laughs> and their posts always make you feel terrible they make you feel terrible well they don't make me feel terrible because i don't follow them back and i <laughs> expel their sponsored posts from my my feed i you know i don't entertain them because those people aren't real if they were they wouldn't be trying to sell you a misspelled pdf outlining the seven keys to their unspecified yet somehow winning formula but you buying that book is their formula mm. and it's the only formula that they have. And I think as for the photos, you know, I've said this before, they probably went on a two month tour of Asia two years ago, and they've been drip feeding the photos once a week ever since. In reality, they're probably holed up in the box room at their mum's house, hustling for jobs on Amazon's Mechanical Turk. They're probably too scared to get dressed most days, let alone look beautiful at some windswept bar. So don't let that insecurity feed yours. But we all want that perfect job, the career we're passionate about. But why is life about working? I mean, if you can find that path, amazing. You know, I'm really made up for you. But the majority of people are not going to find that because statistically, it's simply not possible. There aren't enough jobs in the world that you can be passionate about. In the same way that not everyone can be a billionaire, because if everyone was a billionaire, then billionaire would be the new poor. <laughs> you know, we work because we have bills to pay, um, but we use that not always enjoyable experience to try and build a rewarding life for ourselves outside that world of work. I mean, if someone had told Teen Jeff that once a week he'd have to lock himself in this little box with me for an hour, <laughs> he might have made different life choices. Isn't it good to have that goal? Yeah, but don't put all your self-belief and identity on some kind of mythical career. You know, most older people, and I mean older than me, mm. when you ask them about their job, they'll tell you simply it put food on the table and it provided for their families. The issue of whether they loved it or not, it really doesn't come into it at all. And as we move into this era of technology fueled underemployment, work is going to be something that we are very lucky to get, let alone something we're going to be passionate about or find any kind of full fulfillment or identity in you know your route to happiness is unusual yeah um <laughs> you know i'm just saying adjust your expectation you can find validation in other ways you know maybe you work in a call center doing tech support during the week or worse maybe you're an outsourced worker doing content moderation for facebook you can volunteer for a tiger conservation charity at the weekend you can be a quiet hero making a difference in the world doing something else. Find that sense of perspective and belonging in other places, ones that actually value and respect you. And use that sense of perspective to get upset about the big things. You know, don't lose your lunch because you've read something online and you're angry because you've misunderstood it. I'd love to understand Stephen Hawking's work. I don't. Mm. My maths brain just doesn't reach that far. But that doesn't make me angry. I don't spend my nights throwing plates across the <laughs> dining room and swearing at my wife because astrophysics makes my head hurt. It makes me even more thankful that there are more people in the world like Stephen Hawking than there are people like me. <laughs> yeah, you're saying that we can be happy if we embrace the chaos. 
I'm saying just accept that the world is chaotic, it's absurd, it's hypocritical, and that you can find beauty in all of those things. Um, taking everything so seriously is, you know, it's a recipe for a breakdown of some description. Worrying if you're going to make enough money to feed your family, that's real and it's horrifying. And I'm glad that my life choices mean I'll never have to stress about providing for kids. Worrying about whether your career path will allow you to fly to exotic locations and have tea with the Dalai Lama. How important is that in the real scheme of things? You, would you describe yourself as a hypocrite? We're all hypocrites. Um, we have to accept and embrace that. You have to accept that life isn't binary and that you can hold contradictory views. Instagram is right, but Twitter is wrong. Are examples of exactly the kind of views that don't matter. <laughs> um, I'll give you a for instance. I want to reduce my plastic use and waste. I know how much damage plastic is doing to the planet. But when I go to a supermarket, if it's one of those places where the chicken or the beef is on display and it's sitting on ice in the open air rather than in nice, neat plastic wrap packets, I won't buy that meat because something in my head says that's not hygienic. If I cooked it, I'd be too worried about getting sick to actually eat it. So I acknowledge that hypocrisy. I take my own reusable bags to the supermarket and then double bag a plastic wrapped container of chicken because I'm afraid I'm going to give myself salmonella poisoning. <laughs> I recognize that hypocrisy and I own it. I'm flaunting those imperfections. And the same goes for maximalism. Well, we have an ideal of perfection that's kind of exacerbated by what we see on social media. And you can see it when you go out. You can see it in per people who are perfectly dressed or made up mm. all of the time. Mm. Their house is always spotless. The car has to be in showroom condition inside and out. But reality is messy. Sure, you know, watch Marie Kondo and take some of it on board if it works for you. But if it doesn't, find the balance of chaos that does actually work for you. And for me, that means spending time learning the guitar and watching Netflix rather than clearing junk out of my email inbox, which is at nearly 100,000 unread emails, very close. But more importantly, it's about finding a system that separates out the junk so that the important stuff goes straight through without you having to wade through all of the nonsense. Yeah, but you didn't reply my last email. Which means the system is working absolutely <laughs> perfectly. Look, we all see those posts or overhear people saying that they're not being their best selves mm. right now. Now, if you're really unlucky, someone has actually said that to you and you need to shut that stuff down right now. Mm. Um, but most of us are rarely our best selves. Most of us are, well, hey, I've managed to shower today <laughs> kind of selves. You know, forget about being your best self. Concentrate on just being yourself. If other people don't like that, then, you know, tell them to stick their best self. When was the last time you were your best self? I don't know, probably about 10 years ago. Um, it wasn't something I thought about. I ran into a potentially dangerous situation because it was simply something that I had to do. I wasn't looking for applause, rewards, plaudits. I wasn't trying to get my face on a, somebody's post or profile or have anything shared. The people concerned have probably forgotten what I did. It doesn't matter. It's doing it that actually mattered. And the rest of the time, I'm an unshaven mess in unironed clothes who's happy to hide behind the thin wall that separates the world of radio from the real world. But I'm happy with the mess that my life is and the mess of the world. I've found ways to be symptomatic and productive in the mess. And I've learned not to beat myself up about all the things that I failed to do in the last 46 years. And lastly, and probably most importantly, I don't care that some people can't grasp basic grammar because 
I own it. Apparently, that is the route to happiness, especially for this year, 2019. So, own it. That's uh, Matt's uh, message for you. No, for it's sure. I own it. I own it. Don't tell somebody else to own it. <laughs> you have to own it yourself. You own it yourself. That's the message that Matt is giving you. Uh, we'll be right back with Geek Squawks after this. BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9. The Business Station.